Welcome to the Regista Room, the podcast where soccer goes off field. Here's your host, Paul Varian. It's the Regista Room. Strap yourselves in, folks. Episode 6 is coming your way right now. And let me start by welcoming our newest Regista Room and Nations. We now have listeners in the Czech Republic, Iceland and Italy, joining others from Canada, US, Mexico, the UK, Ireland, Ukraine, the United Arab Emirates, and more that my breath can't handle right now. Oh, our quest for total world domination with Regista Rumors continues. So help us with our global conquest endeavors. Tell your friends and family and countries around the world. And let's make this podcast a truly global discussion, especially in South America. We don't have representation there yet. So where are you, Brazil, Argentina, Chile, Uruguay, the rest of South America? Let's get you on board. Listen in and I will let everyone know when you are here. So on with this episode. And, you know, my original plan with the register room was that it wouldn't follow news and sensationalism, but instead focus on clear, predetermined themes around the off-field business of amateur sport. And to date, I've been true to that. Episodes have included themes on mindset, innovation, board leadership, culture, and planning. And this episode was originally slated to take the theme of volunteerism. And that will be coming in the next episode. But a pressing issue in amateur soccer has pushed its way to the front of the line and cannot be ignored. And it is that of match officials. And this, my Regista Rumor friends, is the theme for this episode. Why? Well, if you work in amateur soccer, certainly in North America, but likely anywhere, you will full know that there is an existential crisis right now in the availability of referees or match officials, as is their correct FIFA term, coming out of the pandemic. The fact is, match officials simply haven't come back after the soccer disruption in 2020 and 21. Let's take BC Soccer, for example. They normally have around 2,200 match officials managing their games in the province of British Columbia and Western Canada. But this year, only 900 reported back to whistle games. BC Soccer even waived their registration fees, hoping money was the issue, but this has had little significant effect. And other jurisdictions all over North America report similar declines of approximately 45 to 50 percent. A wholesale exodus of officials that has frankly plunged amateur soccer into crisis, resulting in cancelled games and, yes, even major tournaments. Don't believe me? Try this for size. The Gun Balderson Memorial to tournament, tournament is a major youth soccer tournament held every year in the Annapolis Valley in the province of Nova Scotia in Atlantic Canada. It attracts hundreds of teams to compete from all around Eastern Canada, not just Nova Scotia, and it's an important date in the soccer competition calendar out east. This year, tragically, it was cancelled, in part due to unavailability of match officials. Here's Soccer Nova Scotia's Executive Director, Brad Lawler, to explain more. There's a number of factors uh, that play into why it was cancelled. One of the factors was that there were not enough referees, Um, And that part there goes back to a couple of different things. Number one is the tournament has not been played in three years due to the pandemic. So this is this is the third year. Um, So trying to get those teams back was not going to be easy. And also in these rural areas, we've lost referees the past couple of years because competition didn't happen. So trying to get the referees back was challenging at that time. And um, also with the price of inflation and gas prices high, they realized that they were going to have to try to bring in many, many referees from uh, Halifax area, which was going to cost a lot of money. So um, after, doing their, uh, after doing their research, they decided that they didn't have enough referees for the event. You know, at any point during that tournament, you have 90 games or more in one day. Um, right. So you do have referees doing multiple, multiple games and you have referees coming from, from Halifax. So uh, because of that size of the tournament and that area is usually not accommodating that many teams, it's a once a year type of thing. It's, it's hard on a good year, and that came from the organizers. On a good year, it's very difficult for them to get enough referees um, to hold that size of a tournament. The concern we have right now is that 
retention rates are different if a, if a individual wants to officiate and realizes it's not for them. Right. But what we don't want is our coaches, uh, players, or fans pushing them away with abusive and insulting language. And early on this year, that's what has been the case. You know, the focus for the past two years, let's be clear here, it was, it was about fair, it was about being accessible, having access to fields and playing and just having fun. And, yeah. and people were happy with that. Like they yeah. were happy because restrictions were in place. So if they could get out and just play on the pitch, they were happy people. Um, yeah. That's not enough right now. Yeah. So, you know, there's this, it's escalated, it's elevated. Uh, people are excited. Now on the positive side of things, you know, sporting events, we would, you know, let's say we typically get 20 or 30 people coming to these games and now we seem to be getting double or triple that. Okay. So there's more fans that are coming out to watch, but when you have more fans, people are more into it. Right. Um, and, you know, there's just comments that are coming out, Paul, that, you know, we're human beings and we can only take so much. So a young referee or an adult referee are doing the best they can on the pitch to look at every part of the game to make sure somebody doesn't get injured, to make sure they're calling the game fairly. And, you know, they do make mistakes. They're going to make mistakes. You know that. I know that. Um, but they don't need to be abused and insulted when they make the mistakes because they're not going to come back. I feel in general... I, I do think this is post-COVID. Um, there just seems to be a lack of respect. And it's yeah. it's coach to coach. It's it's club to club. It's referee to – or coach to referee. It could be referee to coach. Um, it's happening right now. There yeah. just seems to be – people are on edge right now. And, and, and I, I have to relate it to, you know, what's happening in the world right now. Um, you know, yeah. whether it's inflation, you're paying more for gas and groceries and you're frustrated or – or maybe your job, you lost your job during the pandemic. I'm not sure. But the only way we're going to develop these referees is if we can retain them and develop them. So, like, how do you develop a referee to get them to the level that the coaches expect, especially at the higher ends, if you can't keep them in the game that long because they're getting abused and insulted? This crisis isn't just about the odd game here or there. Major tournaments are going down, and we have to take notice and act. I threw the issue out on Twitter the other day and the conversation that ensued was interesting. Here is a smattering of the reasons offered by the Twitter sphere. Number one, I can get a job working minimum wage with more consistent hours and less driving and make the same amount of money, says Dylan Atchison. Number two, I think you're seeing the effects of many years of apathy catching up now for sure. The pandemic created enough gap for people and organizations to lose momentum. Developing refs lost two years of opportunity. Organizations were so focused on pivoting that saving refs was low on the list, says Shannon Foster. Number three, I quit refing youth games because of the parents and the coaches. I only referee, I only referee basketball now, says James Paul. And finally, number four, there are a few reasons why we're seeing referees not returning. Number one, age. Number two, due to shortage, referees have scheduled more matches over a three or four day period than before. And number three, a lack of qualified assessors leading to backlog of assessment requests. And that's from Mike Schlotter, the legendary referee at provincial level in Canada, who's refereed all across the country, is currently out on Vancouver Island. So there are many more comments you can check out and add to, if you like, in my Twitter feed at, at @paulvarian, or just email me your thoughts. We'd like to continue adding to the conversation. Get me at comments at registerroom.com. But look, in reading these Twitter comments, honestly, there's nothing I could really disagree with. But what kept poking me in the ribs was the reality that all of these issues seemed to be alive and well in 2019 and before, didn't they? Yet the referees, for the large part, kept coming back then. Surely none of these issues have changed so drastically that they could force up to half of all the referees to pack it in. Or have they changed this much? Coming up after the break, I go beyond social media and explore some of these ideas in more detail with qualified voices in the world of soccer match officiating in North America. So stick around as I interview referee leaders at state or provincial level, club and field level in the US and Canada and get to the very heart of this crisis. What you hear might surprise you. When we return on the Register Room, where amateur soccer goes off field. Are you an amateur sport leader looking for quality professional development? If so, your search is over. 
Introducing Capitalist Consulting's new sport business tutorial series. We'll teach you what you need to do to run your club better. These tutorials target the key areas of sport business. Governance, risk, planning, marketing, technical oversight, sponsorship, and modern volunteerism. Access and enjoy these tutorials when you want and where you want. Go to capitaslearning.com and get learning with me today. Do you have a story to tell? The Regista Room is built on real-world stories and experiences from amateur soccer clubs everywhere that we can explore, discuss, and learn from. Have you innovated a solution to a problem, challenged the norm, tried something different, thought outside the box, or taken a risk, and it's paid off? If so, we want to hear from you on the Regista Room. Contact us today with your story at content at registaroom.com and let's better the game with our shared soccer experiences. Welcome back to the Register Room, where amateur soccer goes off field. And in this episode, we're trying to work out where all the referees have gone. Where are you refs? Please come back. It's a bit of a mystery as to where they've all gone and why. But let's now move to trying to find out exactly why we think they've gone. And more importantly, see if there's anything we can do to fix it. My first guest literally lives and breathes soccer match officials. Nikki Pearson is the senior manager for match officials development for Ontario Soccer. And Ontario Soccer is the governing body for the sport of soccer in the province of Ontario here in Canada. Now, given Ontario is Canada's largest province, home to some 15 million residents, over a third of whom live in Toronto and its immediate surrounding suburbs, Ontario Soccer is a large and capable sports organization. In fact, it's bigger than most national sport governing bodies here in Canada. Some 350,000 players currently affiliate to Ontario Soccer, with about 8,700 match officials registering pre-pandemic. Big, pro big program, and Nikki has a lot to do looking after just under 9,000 match officials and trying to find, of course, more. But under Nikki's leadership, Ontario soccer, it's fair to say, has risen to be a leader in match official development, built largely around the excellent long-term officials development framework that she's largely responsible for building. Like many in amateur soccer, Nikki's been trying to figure out where all the match officials have gone, and more importantly, move to get them back. We had a great conversation on the matter. Here's what she had to say. How bad is it here in Ontario and are there particular areas that you're seeing a particular drop? It's bad. We're using the word crisis. We're sitting right now at about 57.4% of 2019 registration. So match officials. So, you know, that's just over half of what we had. You look at hockey, 30% of the games were cancelled in some areas last year. And you look at England, you look at uh, America, it's the same. It's a post-pandemic crisis that we're, we're facing through all officials in all sports, Paul. Is this Nikki, like, because it's not uncommon to get high attrition at early young age groups, and we'll talk more about that. But, I mean, you know, it's not uncommon for a kid to start officiating in their first year. They discover it's not for them. They stop. That's not uncommon. But are there other areas where you traditionally see better return rates that you've seen uh, abnormal drop-offs? The the more mature section of our our refereeing community, um, the numbers have, have drastically dropped there. And also the biggest drop overall, Paul, has been the 18 to 24 age group. Really? Yeah. That's what we have. We've seen the biggest decline. And unfortunately, typically we're at 25% female and we're probably sitting around 17% right now. Right. So that's another drastic drop for us. And that's a tragedy because, you know, so much development years have been put into those officials and there's no shortcut to development in this space right you have to do games you have to be mentored you have to learn from experience you have to become a good judge of the game and you know all of that brain trust leaving is is really 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 hard to replace right it is because we need those that have that experience to return to the game they may not be doing the high competitive games but they're the ones that are so good at the young games with the younger players explaining the rules their experience is invaluable and we can't put a brand new official referee into those games. We need somebody that knows what they're doing. So mm -hmm. we really do miss those that have the experience. Absolutely. Like a lot of it is they just didn't miss it yeah. during the pandemic. And we're hearing from 
referees that, you know what, I've realized I can tend to my garden. I've realized I can spend more time with my family. I've realized I don't miss traveling across the GTA at four o'clock on a Friday afternoon for a game. So there's many reasons they're not coming back. And people have moved and the price of gas and the, the mental health side of this poor is huge. Right. They've gone through two years of, of pandemic of their life's being turned upside down. And all of a sudden now they have to go back into a situation where the quote I've heard is, I know I'm going to get yelled at for 90 minutes. So right. that individual, with everything else that's going on in their life, they don't want to be yelled at for that 90 minutes. But we have seen an increase in the level of abuse since we've come back in 2022. I do want to preface this that I'm not tying everybody with the same brush. Yeah. And I want to thank those parents, players and coaches out there that are doing a fantastic job understanding the situation we're in. Mm-hmm. But man, things seem edgy. It's almost like all the angst and anger that you have because of either getting stuck in traffic or now because everything's changed. It's very easy to spew that onto the soccer field to that person in the middle. We, we've mm-hmm. had young fans, Paul, sitting in the stands, swearing and screaming at the referee, and the parents behind them are cheering them on to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are 12-year-old kids yelling at their peers. And then, mm-hmm. and then we've had situations where the young officials are being followed to the parking lot from a U-12 game. Wow. But then wow. this turn, if you flip that upside down, we've had situations where parents have been absolutely fantastic. I think it's, I think it's the sense of normalcy, which from the outside, everybody thinks everything's normal, games are back, everything's back to the way it was. And it's not. You know, everybody's recovering. Organizations are recovering. Clubs are recovering. We're recovering with the officials pool. Our goal is not to have one game canceled this year due to not having an official. We'd rather have the one plus one system, which is one referee and one fourth official, uh, because I don't feel comfortable throwing a young official into a game on their own in any circumstance. Mm. So it's always good to have that second second body there with them. Mm. Um, The assigners are doing an amazing job. What a thankless job, Paul. Thankless job. But they're ensuring every game in this province is cut. I've not heard of one being canceled yet. But the fact is, every part of this service economy seems to be creaking and groaning with with lack of resources and people, but expectations that everything should be back to how it was in 2019. Is it a matter of just this is the reality of post-COVID life and we have to try and work our way through this and just be a little bit more accepting and accommodating? I mean, or, or, or can we learn things, Nikki, from this moving forward, such as do we need refs, you know, in every game? Are we looking at maybe starting refs, development at too young an age and setting themselves up for, for this sort of a trauma and failure too young? I mean, do you have thoughts on how the system should change moving forward coming out of this, or do we just work our way through it? Um, this is the way it's going to be for the next couple of years. We, we have to understand that our typical retention rate is 58%. And right now, with the numbers we have, if we retain 58%, we're only going to have next year, 65% of 2019 registration. So we're still going to be down 35% from where we were pre-COVID, pre-pandemic. So this is a two to three year rebuild. Absolutely. Maybe more, maybe more. So yes, we have to realize this is going to be a bit of a normal for the next couple of years. And we have to understand that and be patient and be supportive. Everybody has to be supportive. The second part of your question, the the 12-year-old, that's a that's been a discussion for three or four years now. Um, and if adjusting the role of the 12 to 13-year-old official to more of a youth leadership role allows them to learn confidence, gain those leadership skills, communication, feel like you know they can walk onto a field and, and they're not under angst or feeling anxious. And it also reduces the abuse and dissent because they're no longer just that referee in the middle of a pitch with a whistle. They're actually somebody that's helping the youth players who they would be officiating learn that game a little bit more and then more of a leadership role, then that needs to be discussed. I, I think it comes down to this expectation of perfection and this expectation yeah. of performance and the lack of understanding. Maybe it's our fault for not communicating it clearly enough and not educating the membership enough, but that young official, that could be their first game. There's a stat out there, Paul, that's really interesting that a high-level ref, so somebody that would be doing OPDL or higher, is making about 250 split-second decisions per game. Wow. 250. That's one every 22 seconds. So can you imagine sitting in your office cubicle, Mm. and every 22 seconds your CEO or your manager is screaming at you, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. 
Why are you doing it that way? You're stupid. You're blind. Why, why are you making that decision? And yet yeah. we're expecting 12, 13, and 14-year-olds to manage that environment. That's yeah, tough. It is tough. That's Reduced tough. to rumors out there, OPDL is the Ontario Player Development League, which is Correct. the highest level of competitive play for kids aged U13 to U17, 18 in Ontario. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Final question, Nikki. Before I let you go, um, what what in your we get a lot of a lot of coach um, or coach leadership people listening to this podcast. So so I wanted I want you to talk to them a little bit here now. How important or not would you say the role of the coaches in referee development and or you know creation of a certain game environment? I, I'd say it's it's probably one of the the leading factors of the game environment. And again, I don't want to tie everybody with the same brush here, Paul, because we've got some phenomenal coaches that that understand the development pathway of everybody, the player themselves and the, and the official are fantastic in dealing with young officials or with, with officiating errors. But what we need to understand is the behavior of the coach impacts the behavior of the player, impacts the behavior of the spectator. Too often we see if you've got that aggressive, unhappy coach that is consistently berating and screaming, the players, you can just see that temperature rise and then the parents start to get involved. Whereas if you see a coach that is cheering on the players, understanding when they make mistakes, speaking to them professionally and nicely, you get the same attitude with the players and the spectators. So, so, and as you know, you know, there are, there's a substantial cohort of technical directors and directors of coaching who don't believe they have any role in match officiating. You know, they're, they're, they're there to coach and they have a player focus or coach leadership mm-hmm. focus and the officials is just done somewhere else and they turn up and they go away. Now, what would you say is the one thing technical leadership in clubs could do to help um, with this rebuild and, and crisis that we face right now in match officiating? That young official coming into the game or that new official, it doesn't have to be young, always, always, always starts at the club level. That's their first point of contact. So if they walk into that club door and they see referee of the month awards or they see somebody shaking their hands, hey, welcome to our club. This is our environment. We have a community. We do education. We support you. And then when there's issues with discipline, they're supported. And it's just that engagement. You're going to retain that official. Whereas if when they walk into a club and they say, well, you're not really important. You're just a line in our budget for game fees. So when we phone you, do me a favor, show up at the game. So maybe this is an eye opener. And, and this is an opportunity for us to look at what we're doing and say, okay, we need to adjust behaviors. We need to adjust policies. We need to adjust how the, we think about that role of that kid in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when major tournaments have been cancelled because of this, I mean, I don't know what more of an eye opener we need, right, Nikki? I mean, the game is starting to not function. Um, and as and that's never a good thing, but maybe there's a silver lining, as you said, in this in the long term. So I, I think so. We just did a quick survey, Paul, very quickly with, Please, with yeah. uh, referees that have been assigned the one as the one plus one system, which is one referee, one fourth official, because we don't have enough for ARs. Mm-hmm. And in uh, we surveyed them in, through the OPDL. And some of the fantastic comments coming back through these officials. One of the questions was, do, are you getting support from the technical staff mm-hmm. of the teams you're officiating? 70% are saying, yes, they understand the situation we're in. Okay. That's that's great. That's a that's really great. good start. But yeah. wouldn't it be nice if it was 100%? Yeah. But 70% to me, I'll take 70%. That good means start. the message is getting out there. It's a good start. And let's build on this. Mm. Let's get the club's more involved, let's get the communities created and let's support these young officials on the field because this is a fantastic game. Yeah. Everybody loves it. You can tell where my passion is and I will support officials to the end because, yeah. you know, they're the least thought about pillar in this whole game and we need to change that. Nikki Pearson, Senior Manager of Match Official Development and no longer community education yes. for Ontario <laughs> soccer. Thank you so much for joining me in the room. Thanks, Paul. Hey, amateur soccer club leaders. Are you looking for a complete reference on how to run a great amateur soccer club, but all you can find are books on how to coach kids? Introducing Amazon's number one bestseller, Don't Blame Your Soccer Parents your complete guide on how to run a successful amateur soccer club 
covering everything from managing your boardroom to overseeing your director of coaching or raising corporate sponsorship. Based on real-world experiences from internationally renowned sports consultant and professional speaker Paul Berry, Don't Blame the Soccer Parents rolls its sleeves up and tackles all the hands-on club management issues you need to master. Governance, planning, staffing, volunteers, finance, technical oversight, marketing, evaluation, and more. You'll find it all in the most comprehensive soccer club management reference on the market today. Pick up your copy on the Amazon platform or at don'tblamethesoccerparents.com today. Imagine not having the chance to play sports as a kid. Imagine not having those memories, those experiences. Imagine your childhood without them. If I wasn't able to play, I would have missed my friends. I will miss being active and the chance of being competitive. Basketball has taught me how to work as a team, how to co- communicate, and how to adapt to any situation. My goal it is to play for Team Canada and make it to the WNBA. The skills kids learn through sports are carried with them throughout their lives. But all across Canada, kids are being left on the sidelines because they don't have the resources to play. We owe all kids a chance to experience everything that sport has to offer. Help unleash the full potential in every child. Visit kidsport.ca so all kids can play. Our next guest brings the conversation a little deeper and closer to the coalface of community soccer, to that of the club. The Oakville Soccer Club is a large amateur soccer club in the western Toronto suburb of Oakville, which is located about a half-hour drive from Toronto and is home to about 230,000 residents. The Oakville Soccer Club enrolls around 10 to 12,000 players, mostly youth, and retains about 280 match officials to whistle and flag their games. Richard Bowden is the long-serving head referee there. Well-respected and well-liked in the Ontario soccer community, Richard's quietly gone about his business moving mountains to ensure that hundreds of games the club runs every week, particularly during the summer months, are covered with match officials. He too notes that this year has been drastically different. I caught up with him to discuss how the match officials' exodus looks at club level. Have a listen. Richard Bowden from Oakville Soccer Club, a place close to my heart. Welcome to the register room. Yeah, how are you today? I'm very well. I'm very Good. well. And I'm wondering where all the refs have gone, Richard. And it's great to have you on to speak on behalf of a club, a big club. I know you've got a big referee program there. But let me start by asking you, like, how bad is it this year, in particular compared to previous years, either obviously during the pandemic and so far as we have programming, but in particular pre-pandemic, 2019 and earlier? Uh, it's bad, right? in, in one word. Um We've seen a significant decrease in the in the total overall uh, number of officials. Uh, we're down about fifty percent compared to twenty nineteen. Okay, our recruitment is down around seventy percent compared to twenty nineteen and twenty eighteen. Right. So, so it's it's not it's been a very difficult and challenging period. So it's not just a matter, Richard, of returning match officials. It's a matter of getting new ones to start as well. That is correct, yeah. Right. Um, and Go ahead. Okay, we run an aggressive recruitment program every year. And right up to 2019, we would consistently bring in between 150 and 200 new officials. This was an annual intake. Uh, for example, in 2022, that intake totaled 86. There's a number of factors involved. Um, the one that you hear people talking about mostly is, oh, I don't want to do it because of referee abuse. Uh, personally, I don't think that's the case. If you look at the total number of games that we have, especially at the club, um, we're running over 100, 120 games a week. And if we get two to three complaints with regard to abuse of the club, that would be a lot. So referee abuse doesn't seem to be the issue. Um, right now, we're having a problem attracting particularly younger referees uh, in the 16 to 30 age group. The level of interest at that level, 
there has been very, very poor. They're not interested. We pay well. Um, however, we can't compete with the in- individual who says, well, I'll go work at Walmart. I'll go work at Tim right. Hortons. And they're guaranteed a certain number of shifts, and they're guaranteed a set amount of money every week. Um, right. Refereeing doesn't work that way. So so you think that could be a factor, just competition from other you know, jobs that may, may not pay so much per hour, but there's more hours, right? Yeah, that's, that's definitely one issue. The other one is, for the past two years in particular, people haven't had to think about it. And it's fallen off the radar as far as interest is concerned. There's lots of other things that can keep the, the I'm going to say, that, that young group occupied with video games, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, they're busy. And trying to pull them away from that is definitely an issue. So, I mean, Richard, is this just part of this whole sort of, it was originally called the Great Resignation, right, when this was about people changing jobs. But I've now heard it referred to as the, the great upheaval because this is now we're realizing it's not just about work. It's about people making real fundamental changes in their life after this pandemic. It might be moving. It might be changing career. It might be doing all kinds of different things. Is Do you think that the this sort of you know incredible change that we're seeing in the, in the refereeing landscape is just part of that? I believe it is. Uh, it's, it's definitely, I think, mean, lifestyle has something to do with it. Um, I think individuals generally are under a lot more pressure. They're under pressure to perform in their day-to-day lives, whether that be at school, university, or in business. And to get them to come out for a six o'clock or seven o'clock game on a weekday is tough because if you're commuting from Toronto or from other regions to, for example, Oakville or Burlington, to get home by 6.30 and then get out on the field by 7 is is not necessarily practical. Yeah. Um, In terms of way forward, one of the things I've heard thrown out there, and interestingly it's come from technical directors and directors of coaching as much as actual leaders of match officials, is is questioning where we actually need match officials. What would your opinion be on the idea that we may have to just rethink how many officials we need and for what games? Because this might be the new reality of the sort of uh, referee numbers we might have moving forward. That's interesting that you've heard that um, because the feedback we've been getting from a, a lot of coaches in the last month where there's been referee shortages is we need referees. We have to have them. Wow. Um, is that right? So, that, so that's a contradiction mm. to, uh, to what's actually happening out there. Yeah, I mean, I can't say everyone's saying that, but I've certainly seen it thrown up. And I, I guess my broader question, Richard, would be, is this the new reality we have to sort of mold the system around? Or is it just a matter of rebuilding the match officiating community kind of one at a time and getting people back into the habit? And it may take a few years, that rebuild, but we can we can get back there. Yeah, I, I think there needs to be a shift in the approach. And we discussed this at Ontario Soccer. Um, Ontario Soccer has launched a, a massive recruitment and retention program. Launching these programs is great, but trying to get the buy-in from the local districts and the local clubs becomes a challenge because the clubs look at it that, well, referees are paid um, and uh, they're not really our problem. Right. Our problem is to get coaches and to get players and, uh, you know, referee development and uh, referee training on day to day basis is not our problem. And that that attitude needs to change. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can say I've seen that a lot, particularly in smaller clubs where they they may simply just not have the capacity or, or need for them because they may not have internal housing programs to require them. We also um, from a club level, we need to nurture them uh, we need to mentor them we, and they need to know that the support is there for them regardless of what happens on the field yeah I, I agree Richard and I think the notion that you go out there on your own to just singly recruit match officials and no one else in the club sort of knows what you do or even thinks about it 
you know, I mean, Oakville soccer is fortunate to have somebody like you there, but not many clubs do is the reality. And I just wonder whether we should be taking more of a collective approach to promoting this wonderful pathway within soccer for kids. But the other thing I think is not mentioned enough, Richard, is the refereeing community within itself is an incredibly supportive family of people. And you look after each other really, really well. And that isn't sort of promoted, you know, you don't know until you get in there. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, and I won't say it's a sort of a siege mentality, but there's a very much a nurturing, you know, supportive sense between the officials, between the mentors and the officials, which kids need when they're going through those adolescent years. I'm surprised we don't speak about it more. No, we don't. Um, and it's fun. Right? I mean, the days of recruiting uh, youth and saying, OK, well, now you're a referee and throwing them into the game with no support. That doesn't really that doesn't happen anymore. No. Okay. Now you you have to you have to provide the support mechanism for them, uh, so they have a positive experience. We managed to get our retention rate up in Oakville to to close to seventy percent um, pre pandemic, which is exceptional because the provincial retention rate is somewhere between fifty and sixty percent. Yeah, well, I, you and me, Richard, remember when it was 48, 50%. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, yeah. 70% is absolutely lights out. I mean, yeah. especially when you consider the fact that there's there's a certain, I don't know how, I don't know how high you can really expect to get it because there's always a certain constituency of kids who are going to try it and just know, realize it's not for them only when yeah. they start their first game. And that's yes. probably 20 to 25% of the population, right? Yep, straight out, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Well, Richard, um, it's been incredible talking to you. I shouldn't leave you bef- without saying that, you know, huge thanks to you and people like you in these clubs who quietly go about your business making this function and role happen. It may not be a bad thing for these referees to be stepping back just so people can see how important they are in the same way that when sport was shut down, we realized how important sport was broader in the society. So I'm not saying, I'm not wishing any ill will on clubs or games, or it's very sad to see games and tournaments being canceled. But if there's a silver lining in this, if this makes people understand, you know, the work you do, how important it is that people like you are supported and, and how, how much the game is lacking. If you don't have good match officials or any match officials, then that might be a good thing in the long run. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Richard Barden, Oakville Soccer Club, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining me in the Regista Room today. Likewise. Thank you. Want to tell us what you think of the show and things we could do to make it better? Tell us now at comments at registaroom.com. So we've seen what Twitter has to say, and we've spoken to match officials leaders at state, provincial and club level here in Canada. It's clear the situation's pretty bleak. But is this the case in the U.S. as well? I reached out to U.S. refereeing oracle Roger Morton to find out. Roger's a bit of a refereeing legend, at least definitely in the south of the U.S. He started officiating soccer when he was 18, which actually helped him pay his way through college. And he's now nearly 40 years of match officiating experience under his belt. He's risen to officiate at state level and has also whistled seven NCAA state championship games. In recent years, he's moved into match officials' leadership and currently serves as the regional chair for the South Region for the whole of U.S. youth soccer. He also sits on the NCAA National Referee Committee and is their Southern Region liaison. It's fair to say Roger knows a thing or two about the state of U.S. soccer match officiating from high-level regional leadership to whistling games himself for nearly four decades. So let's hear his take on this match officiating crisis from a U.S. perspective right now. Um, so, Roger, you've done it all as a match official on the field, um, growing up as a young match official, moving to, to a high level of match officiating at state level, now in, in match official leadership at a regional level across, across the U.S. Um, where, where, have all the, where have all the referees gone? Oh, Paul, that is a great question. When you sit back and you kind of reflect, which I do, uh, I'm very lucky. Uh, there's a lake beside, beside our park. And I go and, you know, try to with my little notepad and my dog, Bella, and we sit out there and I try to figure out, okay, pre-COVID, the numbers were great. I would walk to the park. We were not short referees. 
you know, I, I would sit down and unfortunately tell referees, hey, Paul, I don't have a game for you today. Let me see, can I work you in next week? After COVID, it's like, Paul, will you do match number nine for me? Paul, will you do match number eight for me in the same day? And I asked myself, is it, is it, what, what's changed? What's changed? And these are the things I call my little bullet points. Bullet point one, I think that, number one, that referees who stepped away from the game, okay, realized during the time period, I don't miss the extra cash that I made. Number two, the key thing that if you read all the surveys that everyone has put out, including myself and in, in the national level, it's referee abuse. So the question is, how much abuse do I receive? And that's one of the biggest turning points. The third, the third bullet point was, yes, pay. Pay was a big issue because now that I go through all these, you know, hoops and hulas, am I going to stay at the park for an hour for a 90-minute game? And, you know, and I'm quite well right now with gas prices there are. You know, is it worth me to drive out to a local, you know, field for, you know, two hours or, or et cetera for the amount of pay? And then lastly, I think it's part of us. And I always take the word us. It's the hoops and halas for you to go through the changes. Pre-COVID, we would all go to the classroom. We'd sit there and we would talk and we would do all of that. And so what is COVID then? It said, stay at home. Uh, let's see, can we create an uh, educational module or tool that now you do everything online? Now, uh, I was born uh, in a time where there was black and white TV and, you know, the television went off at midnight. So, you know, that's, you know, that's the time I was born, all right? So if you're going to ask me or some other individuals, uh, will you sit down for the next three days, a total of 16 hours in a computer and just look at modules? Help me. No, I really don't want to do that. I, I still want to be engaged. I still want to talk to the game of football. I, you know, I want to be that engagement. So we lost part of that engagement. So now that we created these extra so-called yes tools to make it easier, but have we made it easier, Paul? I think those are some of the three challenges that we have. Yeah, that's a great summary, Roger. Let me just so circle back on the abuse, which you say is number one, and that would be echoed from other people we've spoken to. Are you seeing heightened abuse and deterioration of game environment post-pandemic than before? Or is it just that we're not prepared to put up with it anymore? What we see abuse is, if for whatever reason, everyone's taking things personal. You know, Paul. You call that against Roger. It's personal. Why? Now, I will say this. I think also what has changed, and this is to me in sports general, and this is no gig to anyone else. I, I think the world of sports changed with these four letters, ESPN, special and officiating aspect. It changed. So because what will happen, Paul, in, in the early days, we can make a mistake as a referee, no matter what sport it is. We can make a mistake. Well, now the great world of ESPN and 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 and, and all these great uh, avenues, a mistake is highlighted, meaning that in an NFL football, the you know the the, the missed penalty, the missed pass interference on a Sunday, it is looped on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday is the talking point. You see these replays, Roger, right? Where the the line is the the freezes, the frame is frozen, and then the line comes across the offside, and it's like an inch. And then you see the assistant ref, <laughs> they're supposed to call that in That's real right. time. So the, you're right. It looks very easy on replay match officiating, doesn't it? But let's let's move on to like, I mean, how do you fix this? Match officials are the players. When you look at the triangle or you make it a box, the referees should be in part of the conversation. You know, early in, it's always used to be us against them. Now it's it's all of us. So that thing, I think that's the first thing. Uh, number two is when we talk about the players, if you go back and, and, and talk to some of the referees, a lot of the referees, I bet you they're still playing. So if you go back and realize that, you know, Paul is, you know, the striker on our team, uh, you know, doing practice. But then again, later on that afternoon or the next day, Paul is also the referee for the match the next day. So I think number one is a reset, meaning that we're all we're still the same individual just because I put on the you know the uniform or 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 you know that aspect of it. Number two, I think, is what I call uh the myths of the game. 
Everybody thinks they know the laws of the game. What I assume what a handling situation is. I'm assuming what an offside situation is. The third portion would be uh, simply is the game fees, depending on where you're at. So it gives you the extra, you know, the extra thing. If I'm a young 19-year-old trying to go on the date my first time, you know, that extra date makes a big difference. Do I go to Taco Bell or do I go to a nice restaurant? So it gives you that little incentive there to do that. And then lastly, um, I would say that if we have if we have the what we call the parent engagement, uh, the 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 financial engagement, the referee abuse, and then I put us on administrators, make it user friendly for our courses. We're canceling games because we don't have enough officials. Yes. You know, yes. what I think is also what is un, what is positive. This is great. Players are coming back in droves. Yes. I mean, I mean, if you talk to several clubs, their registrations up. I mean, everything is up except yes. for referees. And and that should tell that to me, that's the biggest telling story. It is. Yeah. It is. And we've got to we've got to, as a system, I would think take a deep breath and really ask ourselves why that's the case. And if this is chickens coming home to roost, Roger, about an issue that has been there all along, but we've kind of ignored it because it hasn't materially impacted the game. But if we're cancelling games and tournaments, hopefully that'll make people sit up and notice. Correct. Yeah. We broadcast around the world. We're in Australia. We're in Italy. We're in Mm -hmm. Ukraine. We're in the UK. We're in obviously the States, Canada, everywhere. And I think a lot of these issues, it's important people understand, are are global. I mean, you know, we're hearing people having exactly the same issues in Sydney, Australia, as you're having in North Carolina, as we're having here in Toronto, Canada. And we need to work as a system to try to to try to combat these issues. But uh, Roger, thank you again so much for your time. Roger Morton, match official legend uh, from the Carolinas. Thank you for joining me on the Register Room today. Need help managing your amateur sport organization but don't know where to turn? Look no further than Capitus Consulting, your dependable partner to help you through the challenges and issues you routinely face in and around your sport boardroom. At Capitus Consulting, we're different. We've directly managed amateur sport organizations from community club to national governing body. We understand your side of the fence because we've been there ourselves. We know from experience what makes sport organizations successful and where they go wrong. Reach out to us today at capitusconsulting.ca and let's start building your sport business today. So what a curious dilemma this match officiating crisis is. Clearly there are a number of change phenomena in play here and they appear to vary from one region to another. I've thought long and hard on what my final conclusion on all this is. And while I think I've reached a position on a number of issues, I will clearly say that my door is firmly open on all these things. My positions are very tentative. I'm very much open to changing my mind on any all of the things that I'm about to say. But at the moment, here's how I interpret what we've just heard. Firstly, I wonder if higher levels of abuse is truly at the root of this. Yes, many of our guests on the show today have indicated that there are more vocal and aggressive sidelines than ever. But it's not like that this wasn't an issue before the pandemic, and I just can't get my head around the idea that the sidelines are now so bad that one in every two of all match officials are suddenly deciding to walk away because of it. Secondly, I'm not convinced that pay or travel costs to and from the games is a core issue either, but I suspect the greater choice that people have for casual work, particularly for high school kids, is... Kids really can pick and choose right now, particularly in the food retail business, and every employer seems to be paying more. So it's hard for match officiating to compete, and I think that this is having a bigger impact at youth level. Even if we pay more at an hourly rate, there just aren't the number of hours compared to other opportunities. Thirdly, I do buy into the notion that match officiating is a habit, and if the routine of that is broken, people won't return as before. They say it takes 60 days of repetition to create the foundation of a habit. Well, how about 720 days? That's the amount of time many people have been kept away from officiating. Match officials have filled the time they used to spend refereeing with other things and returning to it doesn't just mean relearning the refereeing habit they had, but it also means casting aside the new habits and activities they acquired since March 2020, many of which they might be very much enjoying. Thank you very much. Fourthly, I think we're finally paying for long-term under-management and apathy 
to the entire discipline of match officiating. The pandemic has simply done what it's done to all frailties in the amateur soccer system. It's exposed them, and match officiating is no different. The lack of engagement or prioritisation of match officiating by amateur soccer clubs everywhere, I think, is coming home to roost. We are only now genuinely realising how important referees are to our game when they actually walk away. Too many boards of directors in my mind have ignored the match officiating function of their club or association. I can honestly tell you, as a management consultant that works with these organisations all the time, that it's staggering how infrequently match officiating comes up in any conversation of any capacity. The view is the head referee takes care of it, and that's just good enough for people. We're also, I think, paying for the sins of too many directors of coaching who either by example or sometimes by out-and-out direction have trained their coaches to sneer at and even resent match officials. I've personally seen people responsible for coach education actively instructing coaches and players how to condition the referee. It's part of the game, is what I was told when I challenged them on it. Directors of coaching and technical directors will say different, and some listening to this may not be happy with what I've just said. But understand, I've stood in front of rooms full of technical leaders, and when the subject of match officiating comes up, there are folded arms, rolling eyes, shaking of heads, and sometimes the odd snide under the breath remark that was of course just a joke, right? This tweet from a technical director of a large Canadian youth soccer club in an exchange where they were questioning the fundamental value of referees in the development of young players, I think tells it all. Player-centred means the player first and centre of every decision we make. Refs using a whistle, abstract hand signals and rigorously applying the laws of the game isn't beneficial to player development or the grassroots experience. I'm not sure any of the issues raised in this podcast are singly responsible for this match officials exodus and this crisis we find ourselves in. But I do think that what match officials now deem acceptable has changed. To that end, the status quo has shifted with it. If you want these people back amateur soccer, you'd better start walking the walk on treating them differently. And central to that are the stakeholders in the game who aren't directly responsible for the match officials, namely club boards of directors, directors of coaching, coaches themselves, and of course spectators. All these people need to start embracing and owning the concept of being responsible for match officials in the same way they are for players. Assigning this responsibility with the arbitrary wave of a hand to some poor overworked head referee simply doesn't cut it anymore. And that, folks, is actually a good thing. After all, referees are just people. Feel how you want to feel about the jersey they wear. But it's time to start to not only start respecting, but also actively supporting the people inside the jersey. That is no longer solely the job of the head referee. It is the collective responsibility for all of us. My name is Paul Varian, and you are in the Register Room, where amateur soccer goes off-field. As always, it's been my pleasure to be with you today. Thanks for listening, and until the next time, stay safe and stay well. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Regista Room, where amateur soccer goes off-field. Join us again for the next episode. Subscribe today at capituslearning.com or listen wherever you access your favorite podcasts.